0: Everybody, welcome to yet another episode of the Lines Led by Donkeys podcast and our sp- second Halloween special with me is Rich. Ooh. She sounds very excited. <laughs> she has no idea what I'm talking about today, but she knows it's going to be terrible because I laid a special set of ground rules. So first off for uh, for everybody out there who might be sensitive to some subjects. I'm going to go ahead and put a trigger warning on this episode for literally every subject ever. If. If any kind of trauma bothers you, do not listen to this episode. Uh, secondly, uh, I have given Rich a certain set of rules. At any point, she can tap out and I'll read her an interesting animal fact of which I have mined from um, a website known as Mental Floss. Mental floss? Yeah, uh, which sounds like uh, a way somebody would be murdered. But uh, I don't know if any of these are true. They're not vetted, nor are they sourced. But I will read them.
1: (laughs) I get it, because it's like cleaning out in between your brain instead of in between your teeth. (laughs)
0: Like I said, a a way that somebody would be murdered. (laughs) Uh, You shouldn't have to clean your brain out. Um, Don't do it. Um, That's how you die.
1: It's like a... I can't even think of a word right now.
0: <laughs> so, uh before we get into today's topic, we thought we'd start with our f- our worst Halloween uh story that we can think of about each other. Uh I'll let you go first.
1: Okay. Um okay, so years ago, probably like 9 years ago, I would say. Um I was I just started dating this guy very, very secretly, um, because his best friend kind of had a crush on me. Uh, so we weren't really telling anybody just yet because we didn't know what it was. And um he had a Halloween party at his house. Of course I was at that Halloween party. Um, and so it was his best friend. And uh I can't quite remember how, but the friend found out that we were dating and started walking around the house screaming slut whore you know all the great words that we love to call women um,
0: yeah g- guys suck we're <laughs> we're, all, we're all like we're all just bad
1: yeah so finally ended up in the front yard and he was screaming those like just straight at me um, and I got sick of it and just started wailing on him. Just started hitting him in the face and the back of the head, like whatever I could get to. Pretty I mean, that, much, that is
0: what you should do when you, <laughs> when somebody calls you that.
1: I mean, alcohol was a, a part of this for sure. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, so you know, just started kind of going to town. And then uh, he stood up to push me off of him. And somebody, a bystander, um, who saw him stand up and push me off of him, thought that he had hit me and tackled him into the fence.
0: So. Uh, beforehand, was this bystander wearing glasses, and then after he tackled him, was he no longer wearing glasses? Uh, I'm asking if you be a Superman. <laughs> <laughs> it is Halloween, after all.
1: No, but uh, but yeah. So that was you know my uh, my fun drama filled Halloween night. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. Uh, I think mine goes back. Well, mine definitely goes back way further than that. I think it was uh, six or seven. Too young to be in a haunted house, I'll say. Um, and my dad took uh, the kids uh, out to uh, a haunted house. There's three of us. I'm the youngest, and it it was it was it was a pretty extensive haunted house. Now, granted, as I have aged, this as I tell the story, the haunted house gets bigger and scarier, <laughs> and there's fucking zombies and dragons and shit. But uh, I, I remember it being pretty big uh but when you're 6 years old every haunted house is giant and terrifying uh and you know I didn't want to go in cuz I was uh, I was a huge wuss when I was a kid everything terrified me um I like I hated everything scary I hated horror movies uh like I just didn't like any of it and uh I didn't want to go, but he dragged me in and he was like, you know, just hold on to my hand or whatever. And I immediately got separated by everybody in there. So I'm stumbling through this dark and terrifying haunted house by myself and I find my way out by following the crowd and I have no idea what's happening. And I ran into the back leg of um, a guy that's supposed to be like, he had like a Jason mask on, but he had a chainsaw, which is weird because I don't think Jason ever used a chainsaw. <laughs> And he's revving it and revving, it. and you know, there's no chain on it, it's just the, it's just the noise. And he turned around and put that motherfucker in my face, and just started revving it and revving it. And I peed myself. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> ah, fun think, bonding uh, in the Kasabian house.
1: The the like last time because I was always a big big pansy when it came to anything scary. Like I did not like scary movies growing up. I did not like haunted houses. And I think the one time that I did go through a haunted house, it was like a SeaWorld haunted house or something and I was small enough whale ghosts (laughs) I was small enough to be uh, to sit on my Uncle Steve's shoulders and that is what I did throughout the whole thing I sat on his shoulders and hid my face in his hair so Uh,
0: and my my hatred for haunted houses continues because when I went to Tampa Bay for vacation years and years ago uh, there was like uh, the hollow weekend or whatever at um, Universal Studios they do that Thing. I, it's probably the wrong name But they turned the whole thing into a haunted house and, and every ride is a haunted ride attraction And I went into it And now, mind you, this is mid leave from Afghanistan I'm in my mid-twenties i like 6'3", 250 pounds And I'm covering my eyes And rushing through the fucking place <laughs> I fucking hate those places, man <laughs> um, So, today, uh, so we, we started today uh, By drinking sake and that's because this story takes us to Japan. Now, before we get started, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say almost everyone, or hopefully almost everyone, has heard of the horrific crimes of the Nazi medical experiments conducted at Auschwitz-Birkenau during World War II. Um, those are all pretty pretty burned into the public consciousness. Uh, these experiments uh, that were conducted by Nazi doctor Joseph Mengele and his staff are rightfully burned into human history as well. Yeah, one. you
1: know, except for all of the like Holocaust deniers and stuff. Yeah, Where'd the six million go,
0: Rich? Where did they go? <laughs> um, yeah, actually, some of those people ended up in our podcast Twitter feed uh, yesterday. Oh, fun. Yeah. Uh, I posted an article about a 93-year-old man uh, in Germany being prosecuted for um, being a, a death camp guard. And I said something along the lines of, justice is eternal, motherfucker. And they were just posting, uh, I, 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 they weren't coming out and saying outright that like where did the six million go. I didn't see any six million bodies, which is a really bad um, tagline that they use. But they were posting really weird, like uh, one world government conspiracy theory memes. So I was bored, as I normally am, and I and I went back into their timeline, and they're retweeting like well known Holocaust deniers, I'm like ah, circle makes a square, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, we have all kind of, everybody with a with a functioning brain has uh, accepted them as one of the greatest sins in human history. And I, I think that's correct in saying, I don't think it's much of a stretch. But what if I told you that there is a story that is arguably much worse, that most people have never heard of?
1: What? We don't know a major part of human history? Now- I mean, that's definitely factual with me. I probably don't know a lot of
0: those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, most of the people involved in the grotesque experiments on Europe's Jewish population did not get away with their crimes. Many of them were captured, put on trial, and strung up like the pieces of human shit that they are, while others killed themselves or ran to South America. And I know what you're thinking. The Nazis ran to South America kind of totally did get away with it. Um, uh, but for people like Joseph Mengele, who did skip around South America, life was largely terrible. He was poor most of the time, constantly running for his life, and at one came, one point came within hours of being captured by the Israeli Mossad. He eventually devolved into substance abuse, paranoia, and constantly worried about Jewish commandos whisking him away to Tel Aviv to string him up like his poker buddy Klaus Barbie. Um,
1: being near beaches and eating good South American food is still too good for him.
0: Oh, I, I agree. Um, I mean, he eventually stroked out or had a heart attack while he was out swimming and he died. Um, but I'm not going to make some bullshit excuse that like running for your life for a few decades and constantly looking over your shoulder is a fate worse than death because it isn't. He got to, no matter how bad his life was, he got to drink. He fucked. He had a good time. At one point he was happy when he absolutely should not have been. Um, but at least we can all be a little happy that he kind of had a shitty life until he died. Like, if we're going to take a small victory. Yeah. I cannot say any of that for this group of, uh, of, of monsters we're about to talk about. This brings us to Japan at the end of World War I. Japan saw the devastating usage of poison gas by both the Germans at the Battle of Ypres, where thousands of soldiers died from getting uh, gassed and, and wounded. It was, it was all pretty bad. They decided that their uh, further experimentation would be necessary so they could develop their own gas and nerve uh, programs for the future. They wanted to keep up with the Western powers, which at the time they were allied with. Fast forward to 1930s, and Japan is once again rearing to get into the gas game, this time wanting to expand into biological warfare, despite the fact that biological warfare had been outlawed in 1925 and they were a signatory to that outlaw. Now, it's going to be kind of a a normal tract here that we talk about all the time where world powers will sign like the Geneva Conventions and just openly vi- violate them left and right. Um, same thing with this. Um, that is when the sur- when a surgeon general of the Japanese army, Shiro Ishii went on a two year long study abroad. When he came back, he demanded that Japan begin to try to catch up with the rest of the world as Western powers are developing their own programs, leaving Japan behind. Now, in a strange form of inter-episode connectivity here, Ishii was considered a protege of Sadato Araki, this insane fascist who came up with the idea of kamikaze suicide attacks. So, yeah, our episodes connect in the worst way possible.
1: You know, I have had that episode in my queue to listen to, and I have not listened to it yet. The kamikaze one I mean.
0: Yeah, you're not missing much. (laughs) Uh, Ishii was eventually put in charge of the... Army Epidemic Prevention Research Laboratory in 1930. Ishii's original mission was to research and attempt to eliminate various illnesses and diseases that spread through an army in the field. Uh, And ever since the Japanese Kwantung Army invaded Manchuria in 1932, Japan uh, certainly had a lot of those. Um, For people who are unaware, diseases, waterborne illnesses, foodborne illnesses, and the like kill far more soldiers in every war in human history than combat. So it would make sense that the Japanese army had a very specific unit to attempt to stop that from happening. Uh, That was until Ishii just said fuck it and began his own poison gas experiments at the Zhangma Fortress near Harbin, China. See, Ishii and the dean of the Tokyo Medical College, Koizumi Chiyakaki, had eventually uh, been conducting preliminary experimentations on animals. Uh, not on uh, not how to prevent epidemics, but how to spread them, uh, and they had quite a bit of success. Yeah, That's not exactly what they were supposed to be doing.
1: Uh, yeah, sounds like the opposite of what they were supposed to be doing.
0: Now, there is some argument here if this is some freelance shit or it had the green light uh, from the Japanese government. It's a very good chance that they had a green light from the Japanese government and the emperor just wasn't quite involved yet because it's really small scale. Uh, but everybody kind is hands off with that whole thing. For for a good reason. By the end of the war, um they tried to deviate as much blame away from the Emperor as they could so they can keep him in power, uh, as, as something for the Japanese nation to build back up around by the American occupying forces. So it's a very good chance that he was much more involved than he actually was. Uh that, that history books say he was. Whoops. <laughs> now there's some debate. Um, whether they are legit or not, like I was saying. But after he and Koyizumi's animal experimentations were presented to Ishii's friend Araki, who happened to be the minister of education uh, for Japan, uh, he just so happened to be sent to Zhangma Fortress, a prison camp that held around a thousand people, with Ishii himself saying uh, of Manchuria, quote, this is perfect. Test subjects can be plucked from the streets like rats.
1: Is this just like like average prisoners, like people who broke laws and got imprisoned, or
0: well, it depends on what your definition of a law is. Um, because at the time, you know, Nazi Germany gets a lot of flack for being incredibly, uh, well, rightfully so, for being incredibly rep- uh, repressive, um, and, and just awful, and they deserve it. Um, but a lot of people kind of don't know how incredibly oppressive the Japanese government was during World War II. Um, they were just as much, if not more, fascist than Nazi Germany. Um, They had secret police called the Kempietai that would just disappear people off the streets for virtually any political dissent. Stuff like that. And those were a lot of the prisoners that would show up there. Um, Some of them probably did break the law, but uh, some of them were guilty of um, being Manchurian. So, yeah.
1: How fucking dare they? Yeah.
0: How dare you live in this land that you have lived in for generations after and before we showed up? You're a fucking monster.
1: Sounds familiar. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Mm, yeah. Now, what's in charge of the prison at Zhangma, Ishii began to plan his experiments. Now, because he wanted to see what would spread through a generally healthy population, he couldn't use half-starved, mostly dead prisoners that generally resided within the Japanese prison camps. Instead, he became a strict regimen of force-feeding to get them back to their normal health. This included several meals a day of what, however much they could eat, plus alcohol, because they wanted to be normal. Like He'd give them as much sake and food that they wanted, um, he, they, and he let them exercise. He wanted them to be as close to a representative population of, say, a major city as he could make them.
1: Okay, so they're the control group.
0: Well, he did that to all of them because being able to kill half-dead weak concentration camp survivors is not hard. Right. It, it doesn't even take a strong nerve agent to do that. He's trying to kill, uh, hypothetically, uh, citizens of, of normal healthy or entire cities of normal healthy people or large army for, uh, formations, which are going to be generally more fit than the, than the normal population.
1: Did they have a specific target in mind at this point or just like... Hey, just in case.
0: Uh, this is mostly just experimentation, but it's definitely going to be used uh, in in a war capacity. Um, now, this is before the Pearl Harbor attacks, so they don't think that they're going to be fighting America quite yet. But in general, they they want a, a weapon stockpile that is enough to kill half the planet because uh, there's a lot of stuff in there. Now once they were nursed back to health the prisoners were strapped to a bed and slowly bled out over several days with notes being taken every hour to record their deteriorating condition. Others were starved to death or deprived of water until they died of thirst. Still others were injected with the plague and then vivisected.
1: What does that mean?
0: Oh yeah, I was about to say that. If you're if you're not familiar with vivisection.
1: Who who Somebody tweet right now. Who the fuck is familiar with vivisection?
0: Welcome to the wonderful world of of a history degree. Now, vivisection is a lot like an autopsy, but the people aren't dead yet.
1: It's not good. Uh, Hey, hey, hey. Animal fact.
0: Animal fact. You're tapping out. Okay. So, number one, a trained pigeon can tell the difference between the paintings of Pablo Picasso and Claude Monet.
1: Well, that is lovely. (laughs) You guys just call them flying rats.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what the special education is. We have to send this bird to art school.
1: I kind of want a bird. They're so smart.
0: Yeah, but they're loud and they poop everywhere. Yeah, It's like me, but with feathers. There's
1: upsides and downsides, you know? You know, to you and the birds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the particular um, procedure that Shiro Ishii and his men would would carry out uh, for vivisection is people would be strapped down with no anesthetic whatsoever and then given an autopsy. Uh there's numerous uh firsthand accounts of AIDS and and medics that survived that said that people were screaming and thrashing and and, and as and they said su- and they noted that they survived much longer than everybody thought they would.
1: Like how many organs have to be like do are they removing organs?
0: Kind of. Yeah. Uh well what they're trying to do is um so they've been bleeding them out um effectively just seeing what what kind of stresses they can put on the human body and they would then remove organs to see how they would deteriorate and how they like organ death would occur and and how it looked and it's all completely pointless cuz this is a stupid experiment i think the cruelty is the point well yeah the life expectancy for anybody who entered the camp was 1 month <laughs> If they survived any longer, they would simply be shot when they outlived their usefulness.
1: What? Yep. Well, How does prison work in Japan?
0: <laughs> uh, well, this isn't like a prison prison. This is Zhangma Fortress. Now, granted, the Japanese prison system is, has the, their own set of problems, and I'm sure in the fucking 30s, it was god-awful, but yeah, this, didn't, this wasn't like a normal prison. This was a concentration camp for the most part. I mean, it it wasn't a concentration camp. It was most obviously a death camp. Uh, People did not leave this motherfucker alive. If you're curious just how detached someone has to be uh, in order to conduct these kind of experiments, the prisoners in the camp were not called inmate, prisoner, or anything like that. Instead, they were called maruta, which is Japanese for wood.
1: Wood? That's the best insult they can come up with?
0: No, because they were as useless as logs. When an experiment was conducted and people died, they would then be asked, how many logs fell today? And then they actually uh, spun this into a cover story that this was actually just a timber camp. A what? A timber camp.
1: <laughs> That's not funny, but...
0: <laughs> oh, you Shiroishi, you're clever.
1: <laughs> just like the like serious amount of detachment there.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and like even in all their notes... Um, Names aren't used, inmate, prisoner, none of that. Um, it's just Maruda.
1: Do you think that's the equivalent of like, of like, calling enemies like by derogatory terms so you can dehumanize yeah, like, them and stuff for the yeah. people that are actually working at the ac- at, at the camp?
0: Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, if you don't treat them like people, you don't even know their names. You're much less likely to be upset about anything that you're doing because clearly I'm not a bad person. I wouldn't hurt people. Right. As I do conduct a living autopsy. Yeah. <laughs> Now, this operation continued for a few years before uh, these, these logs of wood staged an uprising against the camp overseers. A prisoner overpowered a guard, grabbed a gun and some keys, and freed about 40 other people. While not everyone managed to escape the death camp, many did. Some of them, however, died from exposure in the elements or were shot by, uh, by the camp guards. Some did, however, make, it a, make a clean break. At least 12 of them survived and ran to various Chinese authorities from both the nationalist government and the communist insurgent group led by Mao Zedong. Now, because this is in the middle of the, the Chinese Civil War as well. Now, if you're thinking about like, oh, haha, we'll finally get the, the Japanese for all the awful things that they did. One, it's not even that bad yet. And uh two, nobody did shit with this information. Ishii, knowing word is about to get out of his top secret experiment experimentation camp, began to clean house. Zhangwa was blown up and the remaining prisoners were all killed. Now Ishii worried about a uh, the publicity coming, like this guy is doing awful shit. And you remember, this is before Japan is fighting in World War II. This this is the Sino Japanese war. So nobody really cares yet. Um mostly due to racism. But yeah, uh, like his worries were completely unfounded because neither the nationalists nor the communists did jack shit with the information that was brought against them. So fuck both of you guys, I guess.
1: So he just massacred all those people for really no reason.
0: Well, I mean, that's the the crux this entire episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but like not even for his own twisted purposes.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, he didn't even get to experiment on him. The whole camp was a wash. And what's more shocking is, um, now, the, the nationalists and the communists were fighting each other, but they were both fighting the Japanese, and there was a weird alliance that kind of worked out where they would both fight the Japanese and kind of lay off one another, but it's shocking that neither one of them really wanted the PR coup of being like, look what these guys are doing, and both of them just like, eh, don't really give a shit. But with the destruction of Ishii's torture palace, only meant bigger things in the future of human suffering. In 1936, Ishii received a decree from Emperor Hirohito himself to not only go back to work for the purpose of experimentations, but to expand the scope and size of his unit, which is now known as the Epidemic Prevention and Water Purification Department of the Kwantung Army, also known as what is now famously known as Unit 731.
1: Again, I think he really took that in the opposite direction of what it was intended for.
0: It's a great cover we're not we're not committing war crimes. We're the water purification guys.
1: So I'm taking a side here. I think the emperor knew.
0: Oh, the emperor definitely knew. Uh Emperor Hirohito knew about a lot. Um I mean, Japanese government during World War 2 is it, it's a lot like studying um the Syrian or like Lebanese civil war. Looking too hard into it, it's like staring into a madness rune. Um there's so many different factions. Though all of them strangely loyal to the Emperor, and like the amount of power that the Emperor had is really fucking questionable. Um, it's really weird. Um, I, I read an entire book on it once and I still don't understand it. But he knew a lot more than people think he did. I mean, he signed a lot of shit that directly led to war crimes. Like uh a lot of uh the stuff that happened in China, uh set Unit 731. Uh, Pearl Harbor shit like that I mean but uh you know, he got to live very I think he lived to like the fucking 80s and
1: maybe he just had one of those like stamp signature things and you know somebody else was signing all that crap
0: I mean historically um and I might be kind of wrong but I'm gonna say it anyway is like the Japanese emperor has has a is a high place in uh, Japanese society but not such a high place in Japanese government
1: that's how most uh like those types of governments work, right? Like emperors, kings, queens. Oh, modern day, like sure. Yeah. There's
0: the Constitutional monarchies are, are, I mean, the UK, I mean, there, there's a lot of countries that have constitutional monarchies, but that's not what Japan was. Oh. Um, like even during- um,
1: Monarchy was the word I was looking for. Yeah, uh, I mean,
0: <laughs> even during like the Me- the Meiji Restoration, um, there's a lot of players behind the scenes that both wanted to um, inflate the emperor's power and take it away, but nobody was like, we don't need an emperor. Mm. It was just differing shades of imperial power. Like, uh, he was a figurehead. Some people didn't want him to be a figurehead because uh, uh, he was considered a god—not well, exactly god, but um, a physical representation of a deity on Earth. Oh right, right, right. Um, and like the the Minister of Education, uh, Sadao Araki, uh, is what the one that put that into Japanese schools. And he was a hardline fascist and absolute monarchist. at like to the extent, even other. Uh, fascist in J- Japanese government were like, whoa. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, there was like coups and counter coups in between like the Japanese Imperial Army and Navy, both of them trying to influence their own version of Imperial government, but none of them were like trying to depose the Emperor. It's fucking weird. It's really interesting. It's like Game of Thrones, but dumber. Now, um, this new unit, 731, would build a purpose built compound in northeastern China that would expand their capabilities several times over than the old Zhangma Fortress. The compound would eventually grow to include 150 different buildings that covered six square kilometers, include 3,000 staff, of which 500 were actual no shit doctors. Not only would their experiments on people expand, so would their experience on how to spread horrible epidemics on the unwitting Chinese population. Now, from Ishii's experiments in Jagma, he already knew that he how he could kill a lot of people, uh, directly by like injecting them with bubonic plague, which is what like a lot of what he did. Um
1: Right. Plague's always a good way to go.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean I mean it's not <laughs> it sounds awful, but uh he wanted to make super plague effectively. Like the video game uh on, on your cell phone, I think it's called Epidemic, where you make your own plague and Or plague ink. I don't know. But yeah, you try to wipe out the earth. He wanted to make his own version of the plague.
1: This all just seems so risky. Like putting aside the fact that they're, you know, torturing and experimenting on on humans.
0: Like if you put yourself in the mind of like of an absolutely insane psychopath, like even you'd be like, hmm, maybe killing the world is a bad idea.
1: Not even that. Like even in the most controlled environment, like you're giving people a highly contagious <laughs> disease. Like what if that passes to you? And then you pass it to like people that you don't intend to kill.
0: That's the one part that never really got me is like, I get anthrax, I get mustard gas, stuff like that. Cause like you spray that on a battlefield and then you just kind of fuck off and wait for people to die. But when you unleash bubonic, super bubonic plague onto say the Chinese countryside, which is what he's going to do. It's like, ha ha, it worked. Oh, no, it's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, it's like they didn't read their own history books when the plague wiped out half the goddamn planet a couple <laughs> hundred years ago. Um, now, he didn't exactly have high technology when it came to creating this new super plague. Instead, he would inject the plague, the regular disease, into people and then harvest their blood as they died, which would then be used to infect other people. Only the blood of the most sick and weak would be used. So, like, if you the 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 faster you deteriorated and the more symptoms you showed, you'd be bled out while you're still alive.
1: So, what are some of the symptoms of the bubonic plague?
0: Um, A lot of it's flu-like, and then you get these huge. I think they're called buboes. Um, they look kind of like fucking tumors in like your armpits and like the crux of your knees, and like you bleed out of your orifices. Your your insides begin to slough off and die. Yeah.
1: All right, animal fact, please.
0: All right, animal fact number two: the peacock mantis shrimp, which is something I was not aware of existed, existence, <laughs> can throw a punch at fifty miles an hour, accelerating quicker than a twenty-two caliber bullet.
1: Do you have a picture of this thing?
0: It, yeah, it looks kind of like a well, a shrimp with well, they superimposed boxing gloves on it. <laughs> <laughs> sounds which, adorable. Yeah, yeah, sounds all right. Um. Uh so yeah, if if you were one of the, the, the people that got the sickest the fastest, uh he wouldn't even wait for you to die. He would bleed you out literally into buckets, um like like a slaughterhouse, and there there's first hand accounts of like he wanted all the blood he could get. So they dress people like wild animals. Uh, Hanging them upside down, and when that wasn't enough, uh, they would have an aide jump up and down on them to squirt it like they were a toothpaste, Uh, like like a toothpaste tube. Yeah. (laughs) What? Imagine being so. What's your job around here? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, I I jump up and down the bodies um, because I'm fat.
1: I'm just like I shouldn't be, but I'm picturing this in like a super like dark comedy type scenario.
0: It's like Japanese uh, medical aid slipping on puddles. But whoa, 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 right. whoa. Oh. <laughs> that is she.
1: It's not funny, guys. My brain is just really fucked right now.
0: No, I broke your brain on, show. on, <laughs> on the show. On the Discord earlier, someone was like, I can't believe you guys haven't broken rich yet. And I said, the Halloween episode will break rich. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was right. Now, uh. Uh, he So he got his super plague blood. Now he did this through multiple people. So, you know, he'd have his cultivated bubonic plague strain. He'd say he'd inject it into me, I would die. Or I'd get viciously sick, I would get squeezed out like a toothpaste tube into a tub. And then he'd take my blood and he would inject you with it, spreading my. I'm
1: sorry, I can't. The, and then <laughs> now i'm just picturing like the little toothpaste squeezy thing yep,
0: yep. You it's attach like
1: to the end of the tube it's, and it's like grit but the plague
0: everybody and then, uh,
1: picture this with me
0: it's like grit but the plague and uh it, so then he'd inject my blood into you you'd get really sick well he'd inject my blood into several people and whoever was the sickest one of that group he'd then you'd get the toothpaste tube treatment and then your blood would go on to infect 100 other people and so on and so forth until he had like as fucking super plague. I don't know how many times he did this, but it was tons of times. But he had to come up with an effective way to deliver this plague. Now, if anybody remembers their medieval history, and I'm sure Rich does, um, the plague was not spread by rats, it was spread by fleas. And he figured, why not? We'll just do that. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> Because he's just trying to recreate the fucking apocalypse. Like Shiro seriously. Ishii's the closest thing humanity's ever had to a fucking supervillain.
1: So you're gonna control fleas?
0: Oh, what if I told you he turned them into bombs? We'll what? get we'll get to that now. Uh, included in the compound was 4,500 specialized containers for ble- breeding and cl- keeping a population of fleas that numbered somewhere in the hundreds of millions.
1: First and only ever flea breeding project. Hey,
0: don't you? Malign the f- flea breeder hobbyists.
1: No, no, that's not a thing.
0: That's not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, from there, he would infect them all with plague blood that he had been creating. And by infect them, I mean he would put it in like a mister and spray it onto them like a horrible garden.
1: I mean, why wouldn't he just let them like suck the blood of the people who had the plague?
0: Because uh, he was too busy killing them.
1: Right. But right, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. I can't, I can't begin to understand this guy's thought process. I,
0: I mean, it worked. That's the thing. I think it was like, well, obviously, they're not going to absorb the flea. Uh, or The fleas aren't going to absorb the plague by getting soaked in blood, but they're going to drink it once it's sprayed on them. Right. And it worked. Uh, so if it's dumb and it works, I mean, it's still evil, but it's not dumb. Um,
1: How did he stop the fleas from coming back and getting on him?
0: Ah, we'll talk about Those that. Those fuckers jump uh now how he contained them uh it w- they were specially built uh containers that were used for so they came in virtually no human contact uh and the people who had to deal with it had to wear like special suits but that didn't stop from like literally hundreds of cases of workers dying
1: uh i, I would imagine
0: unit, <laughs> i imagine this was they're like the second most dangerous posting you can have in the Japanese military outside the Pacific Islands fighting the United States. Now, when the,
1: <laughs> when the workers got really sick, did they get squeezed out like toothpaste tubes too?
0: No, their bodies got cremated.
1: Well, that just seems like a waste of a good, well, plagued body.
0: You would think that, but it's uncontrolled. I mean, as, as insane as this whole thing is... This sure This
1: whole thing seems out of control, Joe.
0: But that, that, that's what makes it so evil. Ishiro Ishi-, Ishi was a fucking supervillain. All of all of this was controlled to the the, the finest detail. When so, when there is an aberration, he had to kill it immediately. So, like, if it wasn't a body that he purposely tracked and purposely infected, it had to go. Also, it's like if you want to stop an outbreak, because like plague bodies uh, can can spread plague, so you got to burn those motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> and and after he got the blood out. Of the bodies, that's that's where the rest of the bodies went too. Is they immediately got incinerated.
1: So did the workers like not go home? Did they like live at the place?
0: Well, I mean, they weren't in Japan. They were thousands of miles away in China. So uh, they they were there for the long haul. Yeah, wow. it's not like there was leave. No, um, the Japanese military is fucking brutal. So uh, the they, they I, I've been reading a, a few firsthand accounts of IJ, IJA and IGN soldiers, and uh, there's not a lot of them, but. The general consensus is, is life was bad, uh, and leave never got approved.
1: Life was really bad today. I had to squeeze out this guy's blood <laughs> from this plague.
0: <laughs> I had a long, hard day Like on the call home to your family. What'd you do today? How was your day? Let's talk about you.
1: <laughs> it took seven jumps, guys.
0: My friend Bill went into the flea tank, and then I had to burn his corpse. <laughs> Um, now, you obviously can't just like, I don't know, set a shop vac- vacuum into reverse and fire plague fleas at people. You had to think of a delivery system uh, to, to to fully round out your supervillain-esque repertoire. I mean, it would probably just kill everybody in the compound, which, I mean, I, I support. They should <laughs> all probably die. But um, Ishii had to find a way to weaponize fleas, which had never really been done before.
1: Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, she's doing spirit hands right now, very excited, which is weird.
1: <laughs> because I just I just flashed back to the Emperor's new groove where Izma, the evil person, the villain in Emperor's New Groove, her entire plan was to turn Cusco into a flea and then put the flea into the box and put the box into another box and ship it to herself so she could smash it with a hammer. That's what this reminds me of. <laughs> That's how this idea sounds right now.
0: <laughs> so what you're saying is he uh, he killed hundreds of thousands of Chinese people once he was a flea. That's real bold for a Disney movie. So uh, Ishii dug into his uh, big bag of evil tricks To figure out how to weaponize fleas So he built a bomb uh, Now obviously you can't explode a bomb full of fleas You'll kill the fleas and your whole experiment will be pointless So he built it out of ceramics Pumped it full of oxygen And then filled it with plague fleas Each one would contain between 30,000 and 100,000 fleas
1: That's too many fleas That's a
0: lot of fucking fleas Yeah I want to know who counted <laughs> Because, like, I, I went to, like, three different One. sources. <laughs> I, I, I used three different sources for this. One was a really good book called The, the Doctor of Death. But, like, all of them cite this 30,000 number. Who fucking counted?
1: It's like when you have those, like, flea circuses and you train them and stuff. You're like, okay, now jump into the box.
0: You know, this, is, this whole thing happened because Shiro Ishii's dad was a real prick and didn't let him have a flea farm or a, a <laughs> flea circus. He's like, i fucking show you, dad.
1: <laughs> uh, fucking murder flea circus. Yeah.
0: Murder circus. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, these bombs would eventually be dropped on Chinese population centers, causing casualties in the tens of thousands and causing plague to sweep through the country and kill hundreds of thousands. In one case... Uh, this, I mean, this is why uh, biological warfare is so awful. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, I don't really need to explain why it's awful, but this is why. Unless, in, in case anybody's ever read The Stand, uh, and you've already read 1,400 pages of this exact story. Uh, a man who was infected by the flea bomb that hit the, hit the city of Shuzhou ran from home because he was in the middle of a bombing. So, well, I'll just go move with my family in Yiwi. So he spread the plague even further. One like that one patient zero killed half that city, and that's why like bio, uh, biological warfare just is is just fucking so, horrible.
1: So this actually got released onto the public. Oh yeah, holy shit! I thought we yeah. were just like talking about experimenting today. That's
0: what it was. Uh, that's what they saw it as. Uh, they didn't see themselves. I mean, now they wanted to terror bomb the Chinese public, which they did all the time into submission, uh, so they wouldn't have to fight a three sided war, but. This is also an, uh, an experiment for much more widespread usage. If you, now, if you, if you know enough, uh, you know that I'm not going to caveat this entire episode with, and then American forces got plague bombed on the you because know, they, ne- they never finished their experiments. Also, because they were kind of worried that if we plague bombed or gassed them, we would do the same thing in return. There's kind of an un- unwritten agreement. Uh, in World War II, is like if you don't use chemical weapons, we won't use chemical weapons. But if you use them first, we'll use them too. Which is the same reason why the Nazis only use chemical weapons to their own people. Like uh, everybody had tons of chemical and biological warfare uh, weapons in World War II, and just nobody used them <laughs> except the Japanese. Hmm. Yeah.
1: Animal fact.
0: Animal fact. Studies have shown that wild chimps in Guinea drink fermented palm sap, which contains about three percent alcohol by volume.
1: Volume volume. <laughs> That's what you said. But it'd be cool if they had volume too. They could relax.
0: Don't make fun of my Michigan accent. <laughs> so yeah, every time you see a monkey, just just think he's think about him being shit faced. Maybe <laughs> wearing a top hat. You yeah. <laughs> know. Ishi also created thousands of pounds of anthrax in a compound and spread it throughout the Zhejiang uh, countryside, killing about ten thousand people in any given month. The list of horrifying diseases that Ishii unleashed upon China is long and the most widespread use of biological warfare in human history. No one's entirely sure how many people a Japanese army killed throughout their widespread use of weaponized diseases, but the number is easily greater than half a million people. What is more terrifying than that is what the labs were doing uh, when uncovered by advancing Soviet forces, and their records were found. Now, I'm not going to say this is worse than plague bombing. I know I wrote that, but like, I'll let you be the judge. It quickly became clear what Ishii was doing to the Chinese was not what could be considered actual biological offensive weapons. It was an experiment. He had only ever unleashed a very small amount of Unit 731's biological capabilities. If Japan had wanted to, they could have killed the entire human race. But German gas warfare are not the only thing Ishii did inside the compound of Unit 731. He also went full Mengele and began conducting more experiments on people. Now, if you're wondering just where the hell did he get thousands of people to experiment on, the Japanese army rounded up thousands of people for the sole use of giving them to Unit 731.
1: Just like rounding them up on the streets? Like.
0: Yeah, yep.
1: What the fuck?
0: In many cases, several of these ex- uh, experiments were conducted on prisoners of war. In one instance, a Unit 731 medic named. Takio Wano, remarked that he saw a six-foot-tall white man who he thought might be Russian pickled in a giant jar of formaldehyde and left sitting in the corner of a doctor's office. Strangely, the Japanese only seemed to only really want to do that to white people. As the war went on, there was numerous accounts of white POWs being split in half lengthwise and stuffed inside human-sized jars uh, of pickling equipment or formaldehyde to be displayed wherever Chinese prisoners were generally discarded as an, in a, uh, an incinerator.
1: Where the fuck do you get a human-sized jar
0: i'm going to assume they had it purposeful built yeah uh so yeah they they would do weird uh display stuff to um a lot of the, the a lot of russians fell in the japanese hands um and they do weird shit to them while uh, like the chinese bodies would just be discarded in an incinerator like yeah hey, we don't need those it's really strange um, in another case, a truckload of 40 Russian POWs came in, and someone decided they weren't needed for any more experiments. Like, nah, we got enough people. Get rid of them. So they were told that an epidemic had broke out in the region, which, to be fair, was probably true because they caused it. Yeah. Uh, and they needed to line up for an inoculation against it so they didn't die. As they lined up, the medic giving the injection rubbed the site with an alcoholic swab before injecting them, with potassium cyanide killing them in seconds.
1: Oh, what the fuck?
0: Of the thousands who died at the hands of Unit 731, a full 30% were captured Soviet soldiers, while still another 200 American and British soldiers shared the same fate. They would be the lucky ones. One Japanese doctor named Yoshimura Hiyasato took a keen interest in hypothermia. So he would take a prisoner and force various limbs into vats of ice water and hold them in place until they are covered with a sheet of ice. According to a New York Times article, the limbs were so frozen that uh, when the doctor hit them with a stick and made the sound like he'd bounce it off wood, he then hit them with a hammer to see if they shattered, like a cartoon. Did they? No. That doesn't happen to limbs, and he should have known that he was a fucking doctor.
1: I figured, like, bones, though.
0: Well, I mean, it could have broke the limb, but your skin won't shatter like that. Right, right,
1: right. I just figured like, if your bone gets frozen and then got hit, like, would it shatter?
0: Uh, It might just kind of sink. I don't know. Um, You'd have to ask Hiyasato. He probably still lives in Japan. Once frozen, Hiyasato would try different techniques to rewarm the limb that he had just frozen. This included things like dumping boiling water onto them, leaving them next to a fire, or just letting themselves thaw out. None of that worked... And he only uh, only succeeded in causing horrible, excruciating pain and death.
1: so fucking painful.
0: Yeah, and I should go without saying that all this is without anesthetic. Then there were the weapons tests. Japanese soldiers would force a large group of prisoners into a firing range where they'd be shot to shit by soldiers with various weapons to see how much damage they did. Which they probably should have known because they're in the middle of a war. They did the same thing with things like bayonets, swords, and knives, weapons that had been used for literally hundreds of years and had plenty of case study behind them. The weapons tested also include flamethrowers, nerve agent, and blister agents. Uh, so, the blister agents are, are, are just awful. Um, It's caused horrible, excruciating pain. You probably won't even die from it. Blinds you, covers you in horrible, painful blisters, and they just be left out there to roll around in pain. Nice. Yeah. People were strapped into large centrifuges and spun at higher and higher rates of speed until they died, It normally happened around 15 Gs. In other cases, people were put in high pressure chambers until they simply exploded. Yeah, uh, I can see kind of the testing behind that if you squint hard enough, um, because you know they're building planes and they're built, and you know they have high dreams of jets and shit, so they want to test what a, uh, that kind of force would do to a human body. But at the same time. I think they probably already kind of knew.
1: That's a pretty hard squint, Joe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. They're exposed to x-rays in greater and greater amounts until they are sterilized or burned to death. Heavy objects like stones, crates, and ammo uh, were dropped onto limbs to observe crush injuries. And then when they were stricken with broken legs, they would only be given seawater to drink, which everybody has known since, like, we first put boats in the water not to fucking do. They already knew what was going to happen.
1: Yeah. Okay. Animal fact.
0: Animal facts. Let's see. The capuchin monkeys. You know the one from Friends. Yeah. Yeah. They pee on their hands to wash their feet. Gross. Yeah. That's Maybe not- just trying to make sure he doesn't get athlete's foot.
1: I mean, that's not a cute animal fact. That's kind of a gross one.
0: I just said animal fact.
1: <laughs> um, earlier I was told cute animal fact. I lied. You always do. <laughs> it's beginning to come a theme.
0: And then there were the syphilis experiments, uh, as various venereal diseases had long been the scourge and bane of every military since the dawn of organized time. The Japanese army wanted to figure out the best way to treat these maladies. They did so in the most nightmarish way possible rather than just find print it, pres- it off i honestly that's better oh, um, oh, shit. uh so they rather than just you know find prisoners with the disease, you can kind of feel like this is going they would seek out symphilitic male uh, prisoners from the population and force them to rape the rest of the prison population oh
1: what the fuck
0: yeah if the disease did not take hold they would simply do it again and that would not be the only time ishii forced prisoners to victimize each other female prisoners were forcefully impregnated by other inmates and sometimes the guards for what you'll find out
1: i don't want to it gets worse no, thank
0: you. They then would be inflicted with as many experiments as they could, pretty much all the ones that we just talked about. Uh including both weapons and nerve agent type experiments. Uh, then the fetus would be cut out and studied to see how it had been affected by the tortures of their mother.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: Again, none of these experiments were fucking necessary at all. You think? Yeah. yeah I'm just just a, a stretch. I think it, they they he went a little overboard.
1: Uh just a scotch. Just a hair. <laughs> scotch. A hair overboard.
0: Someone just needed to take Ishii and be like, Shiro, no. No, sir.
1: <laughs> yeah, just a, just a quick tap on the nose with the newspaper roll. <laughs> that does it.
0: That, that would probably straighten him right out. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully for all of humankind, the Japanese government surrendered August 15th, 1945, finally bringing Unit 731 to an end. Ishii saw the writing on the wall and ordered the compound to be destroyed. Along with... Uh, again, yeah, this is kind of a thing with him. Uh, including their records, tools, and the remaining prisoners. And as one giant final fuck you to humanity, Ishii released tens of millions of plague-infested rats into the Chinese countryside. Over the next three years, at least 50,000 people died from the plague in those areas.
1: Holy shit. How is, how is this not something that we learn about?
0: You'll find out.
1: Oh, good. This gets worse. I'm, I'm
0: going to let you mold that around why the U.S. wouldn't want to teach people about this. By the time it finally came to an end, at least 10,000 people had been killed by experimentations within the compound itself. Hundreds of which were provided by the Japanese secret police every year. Many of them were simply political dissidents. And then the scientists, the doctors, their aides all just went back to Japan. They slipped back into civilian life as if they had not just been mass-murdering psychopaths. As for Ishii, he knew he'd be facing the hangman's noose and faked his own death. He went into hiding in Japan with no real exit strategy. Unlike Mengele, Ishii was eventually found in 1946. Now, even though the Japanese government had attempted to keep Unit 731 a secret, the U.S. General Douglas MacArthur already knew who Ishii was. You see, only, even though only a year had passed since the end of World War II, The U.S. and the U.S.S.R. were already at each other's throats in the early phases of the Cold War. The U.S. would do anything for a leg up over their communist enemies. And so, in 1946, MacArthur granted immunity to every scientist who had taken part in the experience in exchange for everything they knew regarding germ warfare. In an internal War Department memorandum dated June 23rd, the day before my birthday... uh, (laughs) 1947, he wrote, it is believed that the USSR possesses only a small portion of the technical information, and since any war crimes action would completely reveal such data to all nations, it is felt necessary that such publicity must be avoided in the interest of defense and security to the US. It is believed that the war crimes prosecution of General Ishii and his associates would serve to stop the flow of much needed information to the technical and scientific nature to our forces. Um, and since freedom and their lives was apparently not good enough of a plea bargain Ishii was given a large salary Paid by the US government That would continue until his death
1: No That's You're fucking with me right now Nope You're not That's not
0: They flew him to Fort Detrick, Maryland To assist the US's own Germ experimentations On animals Up until 1948 Now I'm not saying these two are connected But the US later Conducted the Tuskegee syphilis experiments where they l- allowed black men to come into a clinic to get free treatment for syphilis. They were told they were getting treatment. Instead, what they were doing were being charted as they died as treatment was not given to them. But they were but they're told they were getting treatment. This went until, I believe, the 70s.
1: Fuck, animal fact. What the fuck?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying the two are connected. I
1: want this one to be cute.
0: Only the males are called peacocks. The, meal, the, the females... The males, <laughs> the females are called peahens. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you another one. Baby elephants suck their trunks for comfort.
1: Always, always baby elephant facts, always. Yep. They the best. they
0: suck their trunks for comfort.
1: I feel happy now.
0: Much like Marilyn Manson. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> The U.S. and its allies did its best to keep these war crimes out of the public eye because they literally had just turned some of them uh, into government employees. They largely succeeded with information only coming out in the 1980s, long after most of the doctors were dead. As for Shiro Ishii, he spent the rest of his life living in the outskirts of Tokyo, living on a fat government paycheck where veterans of Unit 731 were all gathered together for barbecues and drinks at regular occasion, the bill of which would be given the U.S. government. Shiro Ishii died at the age of 67 from laryngeal cancer in Shinjuku. His funeral was chaired by none other than the second in command of Unit 731, Masiji Kitano, who had also been a government employee of the United States government. I, I hate history now.
1: I hate you. I hate you. I was blissfully ignorant of all of this history before you kept fucking inviting me here.
0: Uh... I will say there's probably one group of people more poisoned in the United States by this, and that's Japan. As for the rest of the Unit 731 doctors, many of them ended up as important university faculty across the country. One ended up becoming the governor of Tokyo. Another was a president of the Japanese Medical Association. The man in charge of the vivisection program, Yoshishuki Murata, became the director of the Kyoto University Medical School. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Japan, what the fuck?
1: Everybody, what the fuck? (laughs) Everybody.
0: There is thousands of Japanese doctors in the country today that were educated by people who literally did vivisection on concentration camp victims. I don't know how many of those people fucking practice in the US now, but probably more than a hundred. Also, the governor of Tokyo. What the fuck?
1: I can't with this shit.
0: I mean, say what you will about our war criminals. They are very, very rarely put into public office. (laughs) <laughs> oh eddie gallagher's gonna run for president isn't he <laughs> eddie gallagher baron trump 2024 it's gonna happen <laughs> now uh this never really you know they've made movies about um nazi death camps uh, more than i can count there's books there's a hundred other things only one real movie was made about this and it's like the men behind the sun and it was pretty much an exploitation film slash snuff film, which, I mean, that just means they're probably being accurate, but also it had an NC-17 rating uh, and never really went anywhere. Uh, it broke the law in multiple occasions because I think the, the the director or the writer, maybe I'm giving too much credit here, read too much into this and just lost his fucking mind uh, because it included actual autopsy footage of a small child and there's a scene where they cover a live cat in honey and throw it into a room full of starved rats and videotape the aftermath. What? Yeah, that's a movie. It's on Netflix, I think. No. Yeah, it's at least on Amazon Prime. I've seen it before. But yeah, it's called The Men Behind the Sun. Don't watch it. It's terrible. Uh, there's a reason why everybody likes to pretend it doesn't exist, and that's our episode! What the fuck?
1: <laughs> uh. uh. I'm pretty sure last time I said fucking bears and puppies, Joe.
0: Uh, we had a bear and puppy episode, right? You were there.
1: Yeah, that's all I want to be invited back for. I'll
0: give you one more animal fact just so you can picture this in your head. Consider this a mental bleach. There was once a type of crocodile that could gallop. Cool. <laughs> now we, uh, we are going to go to our... Question from the Legion, uh, which is directed specifically at Rich. Um, You've gotten two questions now. I haven't gotten a single one directed at me.
1: I don't believe you. I haven't.
0: (laughs) Uh, Nick has gotten like four.
1: (laughs) Nick's an interesting guy.
0: I must be really, really boring. (laughs) He's an enigma. (laughs) I'm I'm the guy that talks about vivisection, and and everybody gets fun questions. <laughs> I have feelings, y'all. Uh, so the question today is, which one of Mark Wahlberg's films is your most favorite? And I don't remember when you talked about Mark Wahlberg to let people know about this. But I don't sure, either.
1: Yeah. But he is adorable. So oh, I think I think I remember mentioning his Calvin Klein ad, which was definitely on my on my like little pen board when I was in high school.
0: Wow, When would that have came up?
1: I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I'm usually drunk when I do these.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're disastrously sober for this one. Yeah. (laughs) This one, you should be at least three times above the legal limit. So what is your favorite Mark Wahlberg film?
1: Okay, so the movie where I first fell in love with Mark Wahlberg was Fear, which I know that probably says a lot about me because he's like stalkery and abusive and like tries to kill her whole family.
0: And he has that horrible Boston accent. That's, but
1: he's so adorable. You know,
0: all that shit aside, <laughs> the Boston accent's way worse. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I actually used to love his Boston accent; like, it was just so attractive to me.
0: Somewhere in Boston, there's a, like there's like twenty guys that are called Sully that are really excited to hear that.
1: <laughs> but uh, other. Um, amazing uh, Mark Wahlberg movie that I love, uh, Renaissance Man for sure.
0: I think my favorite Mark Wahlberg film is, um, not really, but I'm gonna say The Happening.
1: I've actually never seen that.
0: It's so bad. I've heard it's that. It's fucking terrible. <laughs>
1: They're
0: like, "Did you come here to kill me?" And Mark Wahlberg's like, "What? No." <laughs> <laughs> and then people just start killing themselves.
1: Yeah, I, so we were talking about the uh, that the other day because somebody was saying they were going to lay down in front of a lawnmower like a, like on the <laughs> happening <laughs> at work because that's what we do at work. It's talk about how best to kill ourselves.
0: You know, the army's is interesting and <laughs> in that's the only place uh, where you can go to a group, a large group of employees. And all of them will vividly tell you how they talk, how they're thinking about maiming or killing themselves to get out of work.
1: <laughs> either either maiming themselves to get convalescent leave or just straight up killing themselves. Army
0: strong. <laughs> oh, oh sorry, sorry. What's your warrior? That's their new one. What? Did you catch that? No, yeah. I did not. Yep.
1: What's your warrior? Yep. That doesn't even, that's not even a fucking phrase. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's- who came up with that?
0: I'm glad I can make you so upset to close out this happy episode that we had. <laughs> now, uh, thank you everybody for tuning in this horrible, disastrous second Halloween special. Um, if you think what we do is worth a dollar and, and why would you now?
1: Uh, <laughs> Don't do it, guys. At
0: this point, like 20 people should cancel their subscriptions. <laughs> uh, you can give it to us on Patreon. One dollar will get you access to the Discord. We'll get you one bonus episode a month. Uh, it'll get you early episodes every week. $5 and above will get you two bonus episodes a month. We'll get you a free copy of the hooligans of Kandahar, uh, written by some asshole. It will also get you everything else that the $1 level gets the $10 level. If you are so inclined, gets everything I just named plus a sticker. So yeah. Also, uh, a lot of your proceeds now are going to the Kurdish red crescent. Um, if you want to donate to them directly, go ahead and do that. It's probably a better use of your money um rate and review us on itunes all that really helps and we are strangely continuing to climb the ratings we're almost in the top 100 of the united states which is fucking (laughs) mind-blowing um yeah thank you for that uh thank you for all your views your kind words thanks for all the shout outs thank you for your questions from the legion those are always really entertaining to to round out that horribly dark episode (laughs) until next time
1: bye